Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening, and welcome to episode five. Wait, is this five already? Man, it's hard to believe. No, it's greater than four. I know that. Well, then it has to be having to go back in the archives. Available on all of your favorite audio listening and visual pod services. Uh, and welcome to, uh, we think, episode five of the Broadhurst Watkins Sports Report, BWSR Sports. In black and white. I am your host for this week, mostly because I put together the entire format for this one. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the DSDO of the W2M Network. He is your co-host. He is your anchorman. Never more appropriate than later in this episode. He is Eric Watkins. Stay classy, W2M. And this is episode number six. Wow. Well, I guess technically the one was a bonus episode. Because we weren't in our normal Thursday time slot last week. Somebody had plans and was out of town and was doing stuff and things and stuff. Save that for point of viewer. Sunday night, which, yeah, I've already got a few other things to talk about. Let's get ready to robot. Anywho, um, we have quite the we have quite the format for you here on tonight's episode of BWSR. So let's go ahead and get into it here. We start in the world of college basketball. We make our way to football. We then come over to American football. We have MMA, kind of, sort of, ish. Roundabout way. Four, three, well, pretty much everybody excepts Scotty Scheffler at three. (laughs) I see what you did there. We'll get to that. And then closing out the format for tonight's episode will be the 2022 Broadhurst Walking Sports Report Major League Baseball Preview. In addition to this newfangled technology that some teams are adapting to, And other teams like Atlanta are like, nah, we're good. Suit yourself. Rays like it. They love it. And who won 100 games last season? Who raised a banner last night? Technically, we raised one today. 
Yeah, you did. You did. You did raise the AL East pennant from last year. There is that. Ours just had the little red logo on it for the World Series victory. Mutter, 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 mutter. There you go. I did it for you. <laughs> uh, speaking of championships, we are the champions, my friends. Um. So I'm going to take you back to our bracket predictions because, granted, for the most part, both of us were complete garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Not believing in Loyola again. But I seem to recall one of us, mm-hmm. per- perhaps rather homeritly, picking mm-hmm. Kansas to win the national title. Gee, I wonder who that person could have been. Uh, that it would makes be. You wonder. That would be the resident Jayhawk fan, yours truly. And sure enough, Monday night in the Big Easy, the Jayhawks got the chance to cut down another set of nets this year. Big 12 regular season champions. Well, co-champions with Baylor, but still. Big 12 tournament champions. Midwest region champions. National champions. 72 to 69. Nice. Over North Carolina in the championship game. Fun fact, Mr. Watkins. Did you know? Kansas oh. set a re- Kansas set a record on Monday. How do they set a record? Largest halftime deficit recovered in NCAA championship game history. Well then. Oh, Okay. Jayhawks were down 15 at the half, 40 to 25, and proceeded to outscore North Carolina 47-29 in the second half. What is it with you guys in beating ACC teams this year? Y'all got some kind of vendetta against our conference? Yes. I mean, kind of checks out, but okay. If it makes you feel any better, I had us beating a West Coast Conference team in the championship game in my two brackets. Well, I mean, I'm not entirely mad because I can say not only did we make the Elite Eight for the first time ever, we went out to the national champions. I can sleep at night. And Coach L has that Miami Hurricane team on the upswing, so you guys got that going for you as well. Yes, the legitimate Coach L instead of one that had to retire as Coach L again. Womp, womp, womp. At least he got a Final Four for the road. Yeah, but again, he got a Final Four for the road, but Tobacco Road will always have this extra little bit of lore. (laughs) North Carolina's like, who's a bitch? You's a bitch. Yes, you is. Did you see what uh did you see what coach self did after after the uh the confetti dropped? Mm-mm. Went over to Devon Dotson on the sideline and gave him his championship hat. Aww. Devon Dotson was, of course, the point guard of the 2020 Kansas team. He now plays for the Bulls G League team. That would have been the number one overall seed in the tournament that wasn't. Back in the in the year of COVID, canceling the NCAA's completely. 
That's an awesome little gesture by Coach Self. And if you think about this here, it's kind of the it's kind of the mainstays of college basketball there. If you think mm -hmm. about it, Fog Allen, one of Fog Allen's disciples was Dean Williams. Mm-hmm. Dean Williams' replacement at Kansas, or Dean Smith, excuse me. Dean Smith's replacement at Kansas was Roy, or at North Carolina was Roy Williams, who came from Kansas. Mm-hmm. Roy Williams was replaced at Kansas by Bill Self. Williams just stepped down last season, and the new coach at Carolina, his first year on the job, was Herbert Davis, who was a previous Roy Williams assistant. It all ties back to the circle of basketball and the birthplace of basketball, Lawrence, Kansas. I mean, you're not entirely wrong. When you got the cradle of basketball right there providing that sort of lineage and now all of these coaching trees. <laughs> I do know one thing for sure. When it comes time in 2022, a little bit later this year, circa October-ish, late October, I know where I'll be sitting on opening night on ESPN. <laughs> I will be sitting right here, right in front of my television, watching them raise yet another banner up in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. That deserve at least so. Like I said, I can't even really be mad at you guys. You were a complete team, another big time second half comeback, deserve it champions. You got your moment of poetic justice. Your one shining moment, if you will. No, the one shining moment from this tournament was the cheerleader from Indiana. I mean, yeah, you're also not wrong about that. <laughs> and then it happened again in like the Sweet 16. Another basketball got stuck and they had to call on the cheerleader. It, 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 well, I mean, at least they're earning their scholarships too, so... What's the, what's this what's the one uh, R&B singer that has the song cheerleader? I am completely I'm completely drawing a blank right now. You know the song I'm referring to though, right? Yeah, I think I do. Found myself a cheerleader. She's always right there when I need her. Who the hell did sing While that? Eric Go while Eric Googles. <laughs> yeah, cuz Let's talk about the other pleasant story from the tournament that has now turned violently unpleasant for the university at hand. Oh, me. So you had it. O-M-I. Weird-ass names. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, Coach Laurenega, uh, where did he come from again? George Mason? George Mason, after, after he took them to the Final Four. After a Final Four run? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what happens is... is Coach takes little-known school to big platform and then leaves for better job. Mm-hmm. Thy name is St. Peter's. Shaheen Holloway is now the head coach at his alma mater, Seton Hall. <coughs> Can't say that name without having flashbacks to kick off past. Just careful, you know. We don't have any twinsies around here, so I think you're good. Mm -hmm. Not only has Shaheen Holloway left St. Peter's, three of the starters from the tournament team and tournament breakout Doug Eddard have all entered the transfer portal as well. 
I mean, with a small school like St. Peter's in Jersey City, are you really surprised when your coach leaves, they leave too? I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of them end up at Seton Hall with with uh, Coach Holloway. I mean, is and let's face it, as a conference that's regained a good chunk of its prestige, such as the Big East, Seton Big Hall East. not being too far away. Correct me if I'm wrong. Big East tied uh, Big 12 for second most teams in the tournament this year at six, correct? Mm-hmm. Because I know the uh, Big 10 had nine teams in, but then I think it was the Big East and the uh, Big 12 that each got six. So, I mean, there's definitely a level. Seton Hall being one of those teams actually getting bounced in the first round. But, um, yeah, so... I guess the I guess the lesson here is if you want to play Cinderella, be prepared for that clock to strike midnight for your university. Yeah, hey, that glass slipper is going to break awfully fast. And if you're in the Metro Atlant Atlantic Athletic Conference, but that's all, folks. <laughs> Let this be a lesson in terms of tournament success. Pretty sure the same thing happened to Iona when they uh. When they beat Duke, didn't their coach leaves for somewhere else? Yeah, um, yeah, because this was a little while before Rick Pitino. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you doing? Hi, here? everybody. You know, we're actually just about to get into soccer, so the jersey's appropriate. Look, it's the only sports thing I really have, okay? <laughs> no, it's 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 perfectly suitable here. We were just finishing up our coverage of the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. I, I heard. And we were getting ready to move over to UEFA Champions League. As champions! <laughs> Hi, I'm your special guest, not disembodied voice party crasher. Hi, Brian Espinoza. <laughs> Funny, I'm normally used to seeing you not disembodied on the Mondays and Tuesdays. Yeah, we he decided to jump on on a Friday, apparently. Hey, work schedules are light. All right, cutbacks. so... Speaking of cutbacks, uh, not only is Chelsea getting cut back from their finances, they're getting cut back in the UEFA Champions League as well as Villarreal put it on them on... Uh, on uh, Wednesday, three to yeah. one Villa. Well, first of all, Via Real, they were the ones who upset Bayern Munich one nil. Uh, Atletico. Chelsea... Atletico. Actually, no, no. Chelsea Not lost Atletico. to Real Madrid. The other, the other Spanish side. That's it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Kareem Benzema at 34, still pulling it off for a hat trick. Now Thomas, Thomas Tuchel, Chelsea manager. Don't worry about Manchester United saying, oh, we've picked Eric Ten Hag and he's going to be our next guy. If you want to put your hat into never, the ring. Never, and actually, trust a man with, never trust a man with two last names. Continue. If you really still want to put I your mean, hat never trust the a ring, man with two first names either. Granted. Continue, Eric. Sorry, well, Eric. I mean, he's Dutch. So what do you all expect? Again, Fair enough. But still, my point stands. I, I, Again, if you want to keep your hat in the ring, we'll cast Marino Pochettino off to the side for you. You stay in the Premier League. You stay with the prestige. Maybe you can woo uh, Christian Pulisic to come over as well. 
Again, ignore the noise. Come on over. We're, we'll be very welcoming. Switch the blue for a good shade of red. The proper shade of red. The winning so, shade of red. So that 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 series, the one that um that Real is up three to one. That's going back to Real, correct? Because that mm -hmm. first game was that first game was at Chelsea. Yep, they head back to the Bernabeu, which again, Thomas, you won't have too many other plans. Correct me if I'm wrong. This Tuesday, yes, because they they they're doing them on one week intervals. Yes, I will confirm. Yep, Tuesday they at the Bernabeu. Mm -hmm. They switched dates for the, the Wednesday games moved to Tuesday and the Tuesday games moved to Wednesday, which Correct. means Li Liverpool, my side, and your Carabao champions looking for the quad over in European football this year. They get off to a three to one lead themselves. Away Ooh. at Benfica, no less. Sorry, yeah, Benfica. But in fairness, Benfica's like a third-level Portugal side, so... What are you talking about? Third-level Benfica and Sporting... Porto. Like, yeah, Benfica, Sporting, and Porto are really the three sides in Portugal. That's what I meant. But <laughs> I would put uh, Sporting CP and um, Porto FC above Benfica, wouldn't you? No, I honestly think all three of them would be level-pegging. I mean, pretty close to it. Again, these are the three that briefly lift uh, the Portugal's league above League 1 as far as uh, top five leagues in Europe based upon coefficients. We save the pegging talk for point of viewer. Pecking order. Oh, you said pecking. My bad. Are right. you sure? Because I heard pegging as well. I heard pegging. That's. I'm just saying. All right, well, let's move forward. If y'all two want to talk about that on Point of Viewer Sunday night, I mean, y'all can swap stories all you want, but mm-mm. All right, let's let's move forward into the other ones. Um, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm so good. The, the team that knocked you guys out, the team that knocked out Man United was uh, Atletico Madrid. They draw the other side for Manchester in the quarterfinals here. And I think we're going back to Atletico Man City up one nothing. Uh going to do yes. One nil I I stupid city. Yes. Going back to Madrid. Thankfully away goals don't matter anymore. Right. Stupid man city. Yeah, they got rid of the away tiebreaker in um, in the Champions League in Euro Europa this year. It's now it's going to be uh, if 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 the aggregate is tied after full time, they go extra time and then straight to PKs. No, uh, mm -hmm. no away gold, no away gold decider. Let's no. talk about the let's talk about the big upset though with the Villarreal taking out Bayern Munich. It was pretty much. Did you watch any of the? Paramount Plus pregame for uh for Liverpool or uh, for Man City Athletic or anything. Unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to. <laughs> Literally, every single person in that studio picked Bayern Munich versus Liverpool in the semifinals. Well, obviously, no nobody I mean... was given nobody was given Villarreal a shot, and now not only are they up one nothing, they're up one nothing heading back to uh, Villarreal. Yeah, but honestly, I think this is going to be the wake-up call that Bayern needed. I mean, yes, because they're pretty much running a one-team Bundesliga, 
this is this glory that they continually seek as well. Plus, you've still got guys like Robert Lewandowski leading the charge. I was, I was gonna say Poland's Lewandowski still the Munich star, right? Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk more about uh Poland and Lewandowski when we do our World Cup preview a little bit closer to the actual playing of the games there. Eric and I will go uh we might dedicate a full episode to the World Cup and do like division by division, uh, group by group pick, picks and stuff. Yeah, and if you watched uh, some of my way too early predictions on soccer to the max, I've got some upsets in mind. You mean that was a thing that happened recently? <gasps> yes. Yes, it really was. We made picks. What? I, 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 I... <laughs> Yeah, no, wait, no, I don't have like the particular thing for here. I have to move it over. Send. Damn it. Were you? At were least you I was trying to. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, and I was reverb. looking for yeah. it, but yes, we don't have that. We don't, we don't really. So. Yeah, we don't really use a whole lot in the way of like sound effects. There's, and, no, uh, there's no shtick on this show. Is that what you're saying? Oh, there's definitely stick. It's just not in a visual format. We're both full of stick. I mean, you ain't lying. So, gimmick right, so infringement that, never changes. Adobe it is a network, network exclusive. Network exclusive. <laughs> it do be facts, though. Get out of here, disembodied voice. <laughs> Anyways, I got both of you in one little sketch. I got it. All right, so um. We run it back, like I said, this week Absolute here. On, for gimmick we, infringement. We run it back this week on Tuesday and Wednesday in order to determine who's going to the Champions League quarter or the Champions League semifinals. Excuse me. Um, I think Chelsea's done. Yeah, with something like this. And again, Benzema, Luka Modric. Everything that's going on with the Chelsea program with the freezing of the assets and everything like that. And the the strife that's going on at the top and the decision of like who's going to be the manager who's not going to be the manager what's the new ownership going to want to do when they take over the team losing 3 to 1 at home is their is their curtain call for the uh for the Champions League uh Real Madrid advances um i think Atletico can make it a i think Atletico can make it a game against City but i think City prevails this is one of those teams and you're talking about ownership and you're talking about goals this is exactly what the city's owners have wanted. And this is, you can't quite call it a white whale for Pep Guardiola, having tasted a previous success. But for a team like City, it's Champions League or bust. I think they know that they're gearing up. I, It's probably going to be more of a hard-fought draw than anything else. But I think they do enough to advance. Liverpool goes back to Anfield against uh, Benfica up three to one. I don't think Liverpool does anything. Like legit, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool plays to a zero zero draw and we rest a bunch of people, especially given what's going on this Sunday in the Premier League at eleven thirty on USA. As All I'm saying is, if you lost three to one at home, I'm surprised there isn't a riot. That's that's just bad. There's happened. been worse. It's happened. Oh, happened, we, I know. Happened to two teams uh, in the first leg of the quarterfinals in Champions League. But um, back to the, uh, back to what I was saying there. I think that uh, 
Man City finds themselves in a distinct disadvantage here in the fact that they're only up 1-0 on Atletico, whereas Liverpool's up 3-1 to on Benfica and can afford to rest some of their stars in the game on Wednesday, whereas Man City's going to have to play their key talent against Atletico coming off of Sunday's Man City versus Liverpool game with basically, you could argue, the Premier League championship hanging in the balance. But see, that's another thing that's the problem, though. Atletico also has a little bit to lose themselves because they're in a pressure situation in La Liga. They're currently level on... Yeah, they're level on points with Barca. Barca with the game in hand. And of all teams, Real Betis just four points back for that fourth-place Champions League spot. So... You've also you've got both teams really fighting battles on two fronts. I just I think advantage Liverpool on Sun on Sunday and then Wednesday and then Wednesday when it comes to Champions League though just because of the fact that we have that two goal cushion going to uh, going back home to Fortress Anfield against Benfica. Compl- I, I honestly agree, and it's really going to be the test. Save your players for that match, obviously, because of who you would have in the semifinals, potentially. Uh, and that takes us to Villarreal and Bayern. And I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I think Villarreal pulls this off. And I'm not simply saying this because of how they got to the Champions League to begin with. This is another one of those Bayern moments. They're way too strong. And for something like that, 1-0 to them even going back is just nothing. Yes, it's a shock. Yes, this is the first time that uh, Bayern has lost a match like this in the Champions League in five over five years. But no, this is another one of those where it's like, hey, they're going to be coming back. If they're going to be at home in Allianz Arena in Munich, they're going to get the job done easily. 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Paramount Plus and CBS Proper, I believe. For... Yeah, uh, Eastern Daylight. Or, yeah. Daylight e- saving. But Paramount Plus and CBS Proper, correct? Uh, Paramount Plus, yes. I'm going to look or, at the CBS Proper schedule. It's either CBS Proper or CBS SN. I think it's. I think the Atletico Man City game was on CBS proper last week. Mm-hmm. So I know that they've been running some of those uh, some of those Champions League games in that afternoon time slot over the Cindy's. They have, thankfully. All right, so I'm guessing that that'll probably remain the case there. So my official predictions are going to be Liverpool versus Villarreal and City versus um, Real Madrid. Oh. Uh... I've got myself as well, City versus Real, Liverpool, Bayern. And believe me, this is the kind of thing of what exactly what UEFA wants and why they're going to expand the Champions League in a couple years' time. Four pedigree, four pedigree clubs in the semifinals would be the exact kind of draw that UEFA wants and that CBS is going to want too because of the fact that they have they spent such an exorbitant amount on the broadcasting fees for the Champions League over the course of like the next decade or whatever it was. Well, it's all about the money. And speaking of money, 
Uh, these clubs for European soccer are going to have to be a bit more careful. No more skirting financial fair play rules. Instead, there's going to be sustainability regulations. Is that code for we're going to make teams spend money to stay competitive? Well, not only spend money to stay competitive, but you cannot spend too much money. One of those is a new squad cost rule. Wages, transfers, and agent fees will eventually be limited to 70% of a club's annual revenue. That's going I was to be say, this sounds like a... code for a salary cap. More or less. In essence, think how can I best say this? Think less of a salary cap like we see in the NFL and more places. Of a, more of a fair play balance. Yeah, fair play balance slash soft salary cap. I mean, it's no fair if the guy, if one team's got say thirty million dollars and then you got another team that's got like a hundred and twenty million dollars. The team with the hundred twenty million dollars will win every time. Not to so, mention the fact that you wait for the thing. I'm for these kind of restrictions and regulations. Honestly, I think it just makes for better fair play. Plus, the fact that in a three-year period, your team cannot lose more than sixty million euros. Currently, thirty million. So they are giving some flexibility, but I honestly think it's going to be for the better. The transfer market could. How, how do you be lose upended. money though? Like, like, what do they mean by that? Because I can think of like nine hundred ways to lose money as a sports club. I mean, high wage bills, lower ticket sales, TV deals, all of Team. that. So Team. you're you're referring to like income coming in that evaporates basically teams tanking and it affecting the equality and the amount of supporters in the stands okay yeah so the the, the usual basically mm-hmm. the major league base the pirate rule as we would call it in baseball in essence yes although you can't tank too much because then you get relegated again thankfully uh, we will get to the Pirates and other Major League Baseball teams. I was going to say, I'm also in favor of relegation systems because Eric will tell you, y'all have heard my rants over on League to the Max about how I feel since they've gotten rid of the relegation systems in the LCS and other leagues worldwide and have gone to a franchise system. And needless to say, it's not good. You are listening to the Broadhurst Watkins Sports Report, Sports in Black and White, a presentation of the W2M Network online at W2M Net. We are joined by special guest Brian Espinosa of the W2M Network as well. And we now continue as Mr. Watkins assumes his role from the kickoff of the Anchorman. Stay classy, W2M Network. We move to the National Football League. Well, this first one. And I have mentioned, I have to give a special shout-out for the fair Miss Kennedy Eddings. Again, we know you're going through it. We wish you still all the best. And the door is wide open for you to come back. But I have to say it right here, right now. The back door, especially if you're Eric. I mean, since I've already got a whole golden ass thing that I was setting up, you're not far off, so I can't Back. say anything. 
Back to what? How is it I get on this damn show as a special <laughs> guest, and all of a sudden the innuendos start flying left, right, and center? Uh, no, they don't you... normally act like this when I'm Yes, we do. Here. Yes, we do. What are you talking about? Yes, we do. This is basically an episode of the kickoff in two-person format. Go ahead, Eric. Start with the NFL news. Are we are we starting with a certain four-year, $120 million man? Is that where you were leaning? Well, I was actually going to make him second because I wanted to have this as saying when it comes to New Orleans and the oh, we are starting with golden chart, ass. Yes, Red Rifle is greater than Golden Ass. As of course, the man himself, Andy Dalton, signed a deal to back up Jameis Winston, and the plan is for Taysom Hill to exclusively focus on playing tight end. Okay, so. This needs an explanation for non-kickoff transfer viewers. Our former co-hostess, uh, Kennedy Eddings, was a huge Taysom Hill fan, qu- saying, quote, he has a golden ass. An ass made of gold was her exact verbiage. Yes. Therefore, that became a running gag for as long as Kennedy was involved with the show. Um, I like Andy Dalton. I think my fandom of Andy Dalton is very well... Uh, communicated over the years on the kickoff, specifically going back to 2017 and the whole Harry loses his shit so loud the apartment neighbors hear him. Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd touchdown pass that ended the Buffalo Bills drought. I miss the 2017 season. Yeah, the Jaguars were relevant back then. Exactly. And I mean, hey, not everybody can come down to Florida and win low scoring games. Now, can they? Yeah, but in fairness, you'll win the low-scoring ones, and those are the only ones you win. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> you notice how his voice cracked there. Anyways. um, Because I'm pretty sure he would like to call you a dirty old bastard, but he's refraining because of whatever reason. Because he's right. That's why. <laughs> I believe I, exactly. <laughs> I believe this is a I believe this is a classic case in sports of truth hurts. Yeah, um, I'll go with that. The thing is, is Dalton. Let's 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 call a spade a spade. Dalton sucked in Dallas. I mean, Dal- yes, Dal- <laughs> Dalton was serviceable in Chicago, but Chicago didn't have an offensive line. Also true. So. Dalton as a backup in New Orleans works, and especially if LASIK Jameis shows up and actually is on his shit this year. The problem is, is if it's turnover Winston, like we've seen so many times in Tampa Bay over the course of the last decade in the NFL. 30 for 30. You're going to, and that's not counting shrimp shrimp bags. You're going to see Dalton rushed into a bad situation down in New Orleans with a brand new head coach in that system once again as well, now that the offensive guru Sean Payton's no longer there. I feel like if Dalton can stay as a backup in New Orleans, he will be just fine. But if Dalton is forced into the starter's role, the Saints are in trouble. Now, honestly, I think, though, that the reason, and you hit the nail on the head perfectly, last year before Jameis Winston's injury, yes, LASIK Jameis was a thing. He was actually seeing and throwing to people in the correct colored jerseys for that situation. Now, granted, how he's going to take to a new offense, that's going to be the question. But luckily, he'll be fully recovered and we'll have the offseason to deal with that. Plus, even if he doesn't, it could 
create at least something of a decent quarterback competition for the starting job. I would put James Favor to win that competition, but Shame. It, it's still a necessary thing to help him improve. So I think it was a very wise choice by the Saints. But agree or disagree that if Dalton ends up the starter, the Saints are probably worse off than they would be with Winston. Completely agree. And with the way that that division is, even with the moves in Tampa Bay that we'll be getting to a little bit later on, it's a hairy proposition. It's a me proposition? Yes, it's a you proposition. Well, that's unfortunate. All right, let's talk Stefan Diggs, shall we? Ka-ching. What else needs said? All right, so Josh Allen just got his deal last offseason. And now this year, Stefan Diggs gets his. Four years and $120 million, I believe, was the number. I'm going to look that up because uh, there's been some awfully big contracts handed around. Stephon Diggs was just the latest recipient of one. If you are a wide receiver this year, you are getting paid. Or if you're a cornerback <laughs> in Xavier Howard's case. Well, yeah, but in fairness, Miami doesn't have a whole lot else going for it. I mean, again, you are not wrong. So Diggs, uh, Allen to Diggs is now Buffalo for the next six seasons. As the turnover continues, though, with the re-signing of Isaiah McKenzie and the uh, promotion of Gabriel Davis to wide receiver two after releasing and allowing Cole Beasley to search for a trade. So with the extension, four years, $96 million, so the total value of the contract, six years, $124 million. And Allen just signed his like seven-year extension last season, so that'll keep them both in Buffalo for the life of their contracts. One would yeah, assume that I this mean, one assumes this is probably it for Diggs as long as he's played in Minnesota. So these six years will probably end up his career. As an NFL wide receiver, you have only a finite amount of time. For Allen, Allen is still relatively young, and at the end of this this deal, I believe he'll be thirty-two. So one one would think that he would probably still want to renegotiate another contract towards the end of the life of this deal, possibly to stay in Buffalo, possibly to go elsewhere, hopefully to stay in Buffalo. Obviously you've seen how Bill's mafia has accepted JA 17 as one of their own. Well, and not just him. And he has said coming out of Wyoming, he loves the kind of atmosphere that Buffalo provides. He's always wanted to play for the town as he put it, the more small town feel like Buffalo. So I think he's got this deal, and I'm going to go out on a short limb and say one more big deal, and he's going to be a one-team man. I wouldn't be surprised to see it. I mean, you pretty much had the same thing with Kelly up in Buffalo as well, other than mm -hmm. the brief run that Kelly had with the Colts when he was drafted and then refused to play for them in the NFL. Thank you very much, USFL and Houston Gamblers. You'll be hearing that phrase again next week. Yeah, our uh, 2022 USFL preview comes to you next week here on the Broadhurst Watkins Sports Report, as well as your 2022 NBA playoff predictions. Or if you're LeBron, playoffs? We're talking playoffs? Yeah, which, how the mighty has fallen. Well, every king's reign has got to come to an end at some point. Yeah, and now that king wants to go to Golden State. Did you see that shit? 
I'm sorry. What, who? What now? Yeah, he wants to play with Steph. He said he wants to play with Steph Curry, which is code for his own super team didn't work out. So he wants to go join Curry's now. Anyways, off topic. Back to the NFL. I, 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 as I'm going to need to compose myself. Yes, as I had mentioned, Stephon Diggs wasn't the only one to get a massive contract. He's in Miami. Xavier Howard. Not only did Miami get Tyreek Hill, Xavier Howard, five years, $90 million. I believe some of that was the highest for a corner in NFL history. So here's the issue that I have in Miami, though. I I appreciate that they got I appreciate that they got the cheetah. And Mm -hmm. cheetah do and cheetah does do cheetah things. One of the fastest players in the NFL, but is he really going to be as productive when it's Tua Tagovailoa throwing him the ball instead of Patrick Mahomes? I dare say not. No, no. I mean, and again, I've seen Tagovailoa. Yes, he's finally opening up the offense. He's finally more comfortable throwing it downfield. But really, this is going to be another make-or-break season. If he can come up to that, live up to this level of hype that he had with no excuses in the top wide receiver, if he doesn't come close to anything meaningful, then he can forget it. I feel like this num- I feel like this trade over to Miami, even though it fattens Tyreek Hill's wallet, is going to hurt his production going forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, unless that he also sees some more time on special teams, and then that's going to be another bucket of worms in of itself. Yeah, but I wouldn't want my star wide receiver playing kick returner either. That's why I say a whole other bucket of worms, and it's going to be an interesting preseason leading up to training camp. Boy, I wish they were the team on Hard Knocks. Who has announced for Hard Knocks? Have they officially announced the 2022 team? Yes, they did, but I forgot, and I'm going to look it back. Oh, yeah, that's right. Detroit. Detroit. Over, under on how many times Campbell cries. I'm saying 40. Oh, like crying on camera. Ooh. Well, 40. I'm, I'm saying hashtag, over. Hashtag bet on Bavada? Not here. We have a better segment for that, I assure you. I'm, the fact that since it's so short and you're only talking about like five, six episodes, I'm going to take said? the under. Look, I haven't had that problem, but again, that'll be discussed <laughs> further on point of view where it's Sunday night. It do be facts, though. Anyways, remember, fo- remember, folks, hate mail to s.garmer at gmail.com on the W Network. Shout, shout out Marty Bass. All right, what else do we got in the news desk, Eric, for the NFL? One or Arguably, two more stories. Arguably the biggest surprise, and I've saved the biggest one for last, Bruce Arians. The man oh, yes. who swore up and down that he would never take a front office job officially retired from coaching and is taking a front office job with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, you know what it is. There's only so much you can deal with Tom Brady's personal trainer and his nutritionist and and his his dog walker and his new clothing line and his pain in the ass of a supermodel wife, even though she is hot and his lip kissing kids. 
I mean, hot for terms of Brazilian, but then again, I could go to some Flat. places in Rio and other spots, just not in certain fairness, ones in Sao Paulo. But again, that's point of viewer. <laughs> in fairness, both you and I tend to lean on the more voluptuous side of things when it comes to our female and in, in, in uh, enamorment. We'll go with <laughs> our personal so, preferences, if you will. Indeed. So. Like, I get the idea behind it. It just seems like really weird timing for Arians to step away now that Brady's announced he's coming back. And I can't help but think that it's not coincidental that Brady announcing that he's returning is the reasons that is the reason that Arians is like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done. Exactly. I mean, this was, and I'm just going to call it what it is, and others have too. This was a Tom Brady power grab. From the jump, Arians would have been just fine, probably dealing with a whole other mess at quarterback, but he would have been good with that. So now this is, uh, I believe, Todd Bowles' problem? Good yeah, Todd. That. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Todd Bowles the coach in Detroit for a while? Or was I in Los Angeles? I know he had one of the, one of the lower-level franchises in the NFL. Maybe Chicago. No, Todd Bowles, he was with the Jets. Brian, can you expand upon this as our resident Jets fan in this conversation? I'm sorry, say that again. It's Todd Bowles Todd is your former head coach. He has the Tampa Bay job now. I don't know how I feel about this. He looked like a PTSD victim when we told him the news. Well, I mean, you're not. <laughs> Who wouldn't at this point? For I, our, this is news to me. I didn't hear about for, that yet. For so. our for our audio audience, Brian's face pretty much flushed for color as soon as I said the words <laughs> "Todd Bowles, Tampa Bay coach." Yeah, he Just, was the defensive coordinator. Now he's the head coach of the Bucks. And yes, he no, was, I knew he was the coach. defensive coordinator over at over at the Jets. No, he, so was he was the head coach of the Jets. I was going to say, yeah, minute. he was your head coach for a couple of seasons. I know he had like a lower level job in the NFL. Oh, no, I'm thinking, of, the, like I'm thinking seasons, of that right? new guy that just came in last year. The one that's the Robert Sala. Coach. Yeah, I'm thinking the, of, I'm getting the two mixed up. Sala came from San Francisco. He was the OC in San Fran. Giving him the job at Tampa, and he's going to have Brady coming back on on uh, as well, and Leonard Fournette too, because Fournette just recently resigned for three years with the Buccaneers as well. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Or not, Eric. Um. And they're still trying to figure out if they'll get. I don't know, man. That. That'll awesome. that'll I think I think that that'll prove whether or not he's head coach material, right? If rather, can, I think. I think if you can get Brady to work and you can and you can you can get a team that that, you know, handling the circus that is Tom Brady. Yeah, because I mean, he's a circus on the field. He's a circus off the field. Right. Because if you don't give him a good offensive line, the man crumbles. Not to we've mention this. Not to mention we've seen what happens when he gets frustrated on the field too. Many oh, yeah. many a Windows Surface tablet has paid the consequences for his on-field uh, inabilities. And and Brady you can tell is the kind of guy that likes some degree of autonomy and some degree of control out on the field more oh, so sure. than other than your standard quarterback. 
I should well, say. Well, gentlemen, so, I still remind you of this, though. Who is still the offensive coordinator? I, 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 Byron I Leftwich. Left. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Oh, because that whole Jacksonville thing fell yeah, through. Yeah, that. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's a. Yeah, that's a and what do I always say about former Jaguars once they leave Jacksonville? They get better. Exactly. This will Buffalo, be just fine. Now I need to know if I, Buffalo, I need to know if Buffalo has any Jaguars for this upcoming season. If you do, as we would say on as we would say on League to the Max, if you do, expect a pretty healthy Jaguar buff for your team this year. I think you just broke Brian yeah, a little we're, bit. We're even. We're even, you some bitch. We're even. All right. So are we good with the news desk here? Because I feel so, like uh, so so a hundred and, and something thousand dollars buys a lot. Of, Brady supplies, doesn't it? All right. But so, anyways, really, really, really quick, since, since this is probably one of the few topics I can actually go into here. Um, well, I think like I said, like our next topic. He, he, if he can navigate the circus that is Tampa Bay, because right now Tampa Bay is a whole ass circus. Let's let's be mm-hmm. realistic. You got Tom Brady. They're trying to get Gronk back. It's a media circus left, right, and center over there 24-7, especially after Arian's retired, or, well, not retired, but he's going over to the front office. Um, I, I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic over there at Tampa Bay for sure, and it's definitely going to have me paying a little bit more attention than I normally do to Tampa Bay games, which is saying something because I live in the Tampa Bay market. Um. I, I think he can. I think he can pull off a winning record if he gets the media circus under control. If he gets the Tom Brady circus under control, and if he can bring the right playbook to Tampa, if he if he has the right offensive and defensive schemes that work with the players that he has, then I think he finds success. Because every head coach has their own offensive and defensive schemes that they that they're comfortable with that they like to run, that they think is going to win. And if he can make his scheme work and fit in to the culture and the the talent that they have over there in Tampa Bay, then I think he is set up for a winning season. Well, he, they are just a season and a half removed from a Super Bowl ring. So, I mean, um, let's not mm-hmm. – Let's not question too much about Tampa Bay's ability on field. They did- I mean, I mean, I'm not questioning too much, but at the same time, they, you know, they, do- they, they, they managed. Somebody managed to get Grant or uh, to get Brady to successfully unretire himself. Whether it was him, whether it was Ariads, whether it was people on the team, whether it was his wife, who the fuck knows. But somebody managed to get him to go back to Tampa. I would assume that it was the bad taste left in his mouth from the loss to the Rams, personally. I mean, I, that 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 would that's I mean, my leading culprit. Yeah, but all you're right. not wrong. We'll we'll have I'm to. I'm not see saying how, you're right, but I ain't. I'm definitely not saying you're wrong. We'll have to see how the circus envelops down in Tampa Bay. We will get back to that here in a few moments. Uh, Brian, it's appropriate that you're here for our next segment because 21 means 21. God damn it! Obey all local gambling laws, you motherfuckers. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, seek help. 
or if you are going to gamble irresponsibly, don't get caught. I mean, if you think you're going to, I, I have to, I have to quote somebody who I don't think is in the chat, but is a member of the W2M network here. Mr. Jonathan Nielsen, and one of his rules to live by. If you think you're going to get caught, you probably have already been caught. The professional fighters league pre-taped the show. And apparently some shady shit went down with it. Mr. Watkins, you have the article. I turn it over to you. The article link will be included. Oh, this already in, sounds bad. The article link will be included in the show description, and you can discuss it with us on Discord. Link to that available in the show description as well. Segway. Carry on, Mr. Watkins. So as we all know, April 1st was April Fool's Day. Well, sports books like Bet365 don't like to be fooled. And the Professional Fighters League has suddenly run afoul of that. And the U.S. Integrity Company based in Las Vegas. Normally, the Professional Fighters League, which you've seen a lot of matches on ESPN, they broadcast a lot of matches, they're usually live. However, the April 1st bout, or series of bouts, was the lone exception. But Fubo TV in their Twitter did not disclose that it was pre-taped. And all of Fubo TV advertisements and tweets, yes, check the tweets. And the emails. And your emails. And they had as, oh, fighters are in the building tonight. Tonight, 9 o'clock, yada, 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 bringing out the whole fight card. Well, Saturday, as... Saturday, Saturday. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> also, um, U.S. Integrity, that company that they mentioned, they were like, hey, wait a minute. Something is really going on. Heavyweight Rakeem Talley started out as a minus 290 favorite over Santino Zurita. That minus 290 went to minus 2,500 in a bit of a hurry. Tally wound up winning that fight via unanimous decision. And there were a couple of uh, line changes, major ones, in favor of four other fighters who happened so a, to be on that card. A total of five different fights affected by mm -hmm. what is by what is believed to be insider betting from people in the know aware of the pre-taped nature of this professional fighters league card. Mr. Watkins continue. Correct. There's been the different statements provided to ESPN us integrity, of course, not going to comment on an ongoing investigation, but one particular Virginia better told ESPN that, in his words, 100%, all of the promotions were being live. It wasn't until someone else mentioned through social media that the fights were pre-recorded. Checking around, going to the PFL site, Fubo TV, others, nothing. Nothing. It was only as of after the fact that it was listed as pre-recorded. Granted, that particular better mentioned in the article, again, link in the description, was paid out 
all of the fights won, and then all of a sudden the money that he had won it disappeared. While an ongoing investigation is active, any mm -hmm. winnings accumulated through said investigations are frozen. Correct. On the grounds of potential impropriety. Mm -hmm. uh, as we say I, here... I, I have a very, very strong feeling that some, um, as we used to uh, call them in my former line of work, other TLAs are going to get involved in this mess. Three-letter agencies? I would not be surprised about this whatsoever, given a recent and even going back further history of sports gambling scandals. Here, here's the thing. You know whose fault this is, though? The, the fault professional... Was yeah, the fault lies with the Professional Fighters League and Fubo TV for not disclosing that the event was pre-recorded. Because if Absolutely. they would have, if they would have, one second, Brian, one sorry. second, Brian, and if they would have disclosed that the event was pre-recorded, then whatever website it was, Sport Three Sixty Five, BetMGM, wherever it was that these lines were taken, those those uh, events could have been taken off of the board like they should have been on the on the grounds of a pre on the grounds of a pre-recorded event. Go ahead, Brian. And and, and here's the thing, right? Because they didn't do that, they are definitely, without doubt, open to civil liability because of this. Absolutely. All of these, all of these, all of these uh, sports betting websites that took lines on these matches can go have after every right to go after PFL, um, and Fubo. PFL, and Fubo, and anybody else that's an affiliate or subsidiary that was directly or even indirectly responsible for the lack of disclosure for the full amount of money lost not just not just like you know flat wagers or like i'm talking like say for example they paid out two million dollars in in winnings they can go after them for that two million and Absolutely. more than likely they'll win that in a, in a jury trial i would almost be willing to guarantee it i figured it was appropriate that you were around for this particular story like you, you, you straight up like that is just irresponsible, just operating, right? It's like, yeah, if it's... you know, if you know that you were in a sports league, that there it's... are lines being taken on your matches, except wagering, you have yes. a duty, yeah, mm -hmm. that accepts wagering, you have a duty to inform the public if a, uh, an event becomes pre recorded or something happens that determines or causes an outcome to be become predetermined. Mm -hmm. Not just not even so much you have a responsibility to uh to disclose it to the public. You have a responsibility to disclose it to your gambling partners as well because a lot of these leagues like a PFL is probably in association with a Sports 365 or a BetMGM or a Bet on Bovada. Bovada.lv we're working on a promo code for you all. Again, yeah, no, while, while I, we're I, waiting on that promo code, they still have great offers. If you want to work in Bitcoin, continue. I, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, hell, even league, there are like Bavada uh, as lines on league matches. Um, now, this shit would never happen with Riot. I'll tell you that right now. Like, no. I know Riot has done some like stupid shit trademark in the past. Don't get me wrong, but this kind of shit would never happen with 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 Riot games. That's for sure. No, not um, at all. 
but yeah, no, you you have a duty to inform the general public, or at the very least, yeah, you you need to inform the betting partners to say, hey, you know, this was pre-recorded, right. and if you know one one betting website, you know, puts a notice up, hey, we removed, you know, Jones versus Garcia. I'm just making names up here. But we removed Jones versus Garcia because the match is predetermined. I guarantee you these other operators are all looking at each other's websites. Absolutely. And they'll see that and they'll go, Oh, that was that this is this is predetermined. We gotta pull this. Yeah, because you have a lot of these sites compete for who has the best lines, who oh, yeah. you know can able to operate on the cheapest vig or vigorous for yeah. those who not in the know. Percentage so of course, cut that that Percentage of cut that the house keeps on any victory for those of you unaware of the, the language. Now he's doing it too? What? I'm surrounded. I, what? I gamble on occasion. You knew this. Not, but not to that extent. That's a more deep dive me kind of a thing. First, I got this jackass where the five stripes mentioned in Wolf. First class cricket centuries. Man, I, I, this is, I see how it is now. I see how it is. I got to step my game off. <laughs> so, real quick, uh, before we continue here, this might become like Andesian sports head and HEB the sports head soon. <laughs> Don't tempt me. Um, <laughs> real quick, before we move forward, the reason I chose this story is this seemed like the perfect story for BWSR. And the reason I say that is, I don't know about you, Eric, but every week, once we get off the air, I usually go through ESPN two or three times during the course of that following week, scrolling the news stories and seeing, oh, this could be interesting to talk about. I think we could, I think we could get some good conversation about this. And I saw this about the PFL thing with the Professional Fighters League and the pre-recorded fights potentially leading to controversy. And I'm like, this hits like three different levels with Broadhurst Watkins. This hits the the gambling the gambling stuff that we always talk about. This hits MMA, which we hadn't covered yet here on on the show. And this hits controversy, and controversy creates cash, as we all know. Mm -hmm. So this was one of those things where I saw this story. I'm like, we have to bring this story to BWSR this week. Absolutely. All right. The I guess it just so happened to be a good week for me to join because, yeah. The that's, next That's definitely something I would hop on top of. Point of viewer Sundays <laughs> on the W2M Network. <laughs> Not that kind of hop on top of you, horny bastard. You were listening to the Broadhurst Watkins Hop on Top of Report. <laughs> A presentation of the W2M Network online at W2Mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast audio and video services. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox, Overcast, rate review us five stars on Spotify. Check the link to the Discord available in the show description. You can find us in video format on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Everywhere but Twitch is W2M Network. Twitch is W2M Net. We are also on TikTok in clip form at W2M Network, too. This next segment we are calling Hello, Friends. <laughs> and it is your update on the Masters 2022. So I actually had a chance to watch a good portion of the Masters coverage today, Mr. Watkins. Well, thankfully, you were one of the lucky ones because, again, my raised, especially today, had an afternoon opener. And 
I was sweating a bit. But we'll talk about we that will, later. We'll get to Major League Baseball here as our as our showstopper because that's going to be our MLB preview and everything. We'll talk about opening days for, for our respective teams. But the 2022 Masters is halfway complete. And world's number one, Scotty Scheffler, is running away with it. Eight under par through two rounds, including tying a course best today with a 67. Him and defending champion Hideki Matsuyama both shot 67 today. Matsuyama going from three over to two under after, so shooting, seven, after so shooting 75 yesterday. So basically, Matsuyama told everybody, Kanichiwa, bitches? Yes. Yes, he did. You don't get full screen on BWSR. <laughs> anyway. You really didn't think that I was going to do that, did you? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, I th- really? <laughs> obviously, the bigger, obviously, the bigger story for the majority of golf fans, though, is going to be Tiger Woods' involvement. And the fact that Tiger Woods, after shooting a one under par seventy, after shooting, after shooting a one under, I'm ignoring him. After shooting a one under par seventy one yesterday, proceeded to shoot a two over par seventy three today, and is now plus one for the tournament. The good news for Tiger is Tiger was actually three over on the front nine today. And ended up getting two under on the back nine. He shot uh, 39-34 for that. I, I was going to say, I know, a little, I know golf. How is shooting over a good thing? Uh, going out, he went out in 39 on a par 36. Coming back, he came in in, uh, I think it was 30. Oh, no. When you said he came in under par on the back nine, I'm like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. No, again, right. having a positive scores are a good thing if you're using the modified Stableford system, but usually those are only reserved for courses that are played at higher altitudes. That's the one where you get like 10 points for an eagle, 5 points for a birdie, that kind of shit, right? 2, 3, and 5. Or 1, 2, and like 5. Yes. Anyways. So Tiger will play I'm in the- Florida. I never learned that shit. We don't have no such thing as high altitude here. The highest point in Florida is like 491 feet above sea level. Back to the Tiger thing real quick here. Tiger will stick around for the weekend. However, he will go off relatively early in the weekend as the cut was at plus four for this year. Which uh, after the way round one went yesterday and 69, nice, being Very- the first round being the first round lead or no, excuse me. 67 was the first round lead. Soon who in shot 67. And then there were like three people tied at uh 69. Nice. 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 <laughs> so, all right. So let's talk about the, the major stories here. One. I think tiger's past his prime. Well, Tiger's been past his prime for a while, although he still managed to pull it all together back in 2019. I mean, mean, like, yeah, but at this point... The fact that he's even competing in the 2022 Masters this year is fucking impressive. And the fact that he made the cut. He's coming off of a car crash that should have killed him. Another one? Yeah, the one one where he messed up his leg. The one last year. He was in a car crash last I didn't hear about that. Yes, he was in a pretty I, big No, legitimately, car crash. I did not. Like, y'all are looking at me like, shy. I legitimately did not know that. 
and uh, this yeah, was, I didn't hear about that. And this was a car crash that not that did not involve golf clubs or Ellie. That's a no. deep cut for you. Yeah, this was this time. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. Hey. Uh, I mean, it do be facts though. He ain't lying. Tiger Woods just smacked the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Back to it here. Yeah, I, I, the fact that Tiger made the cut, let alone is flirting with even par for the tournament, is fucking impressive. I, I, I will give you that. I, I, the guy is, he hasn't he hasn't lost all his capability, but the I days of think... him, the days of him contending are probably over. But he's one of those generational type talents that, uh, what was it, eighty seven, like fifteen years after his last green jacket, when Nicholas won another, won his final one. 86. Like, and the previous one had happened like 15 years prior in 71. Mm -hmm. Tiger's one of those people that his first green jacket was in 20, it was in 1996. The year that he tore Augusta up, shot 20 under par. And the fact that they had to tiger proof the course after that. He then proceeded to shoot, he then proceeded to win Augusta again. 23 years later in 2019. The guy is a generational talent, and there's no denying that. Mm -hmm. However, I am curious to see how much longer Tiger is going to try to play on the PGA Tour. Uh, personally, I think he should consider going out now while he's ahead. See, I wouldn't be surprised to see Champ Tiger move over to the Champions Tour for a while. I don't I think he has it. I don't think he has any kind of extended run on the Champions Tour because God knows he doesn't need it. But I think if his desire to play the game is still there, then he might want to consider that. Because what is the cutoff for that? 50? He's got to be getting I, close. I was just going to say 50, and he would reach that in 2025. So this yeah, is the Champions year. League one where he can effectively go in and play pickup? No, well, it's, it's the Seniors Tour. Yeah, it used to be known as the PGA Senior Tour, but now as known as the Champions Tour. <gasps> okay, I remember that. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like this would be an opportunity for Tiger to add to his Grand Slam collection while still getting out some of those competitive juices, albeit on a much less consistent basis. Like, we just we still see Tiger show up on the occasional tournaments and stuff, especially right. ones that his, especially ones that his brand is specifically associated with. And then obviously he likes to play in as many of the, of the majors as he possibly can. However, I think this would be an opportunity for Tiger to focus on the four majors inside of the champions tour, and then just take those select opportunities similar to what he would have on the PGA tour and pick and choose his dates in order to continue to, Allow people the opportunity to see Tiger, even if Tiger's not what he once was, while still contending against people of his own of his own similar age. And this is the kind of thing that I was thinking as he transitions now in his late forties, going into his early fifties. I think that's really what he's going to do. And really, both the PGA, the PGA Tour, and the Champions Tour would benefit from it because. And I had this conversation earlier today. The since. Tiger's reign of dominance. Even golf has tried to figure out who was going to be the next Tiger. And there mm -hmm. really there hasn't been. Tiger. No, there's not. Maybe his son, Charlie. We don't know. We'll probably find that out in about a one would argue. 
one would argue the closest uh, the PGA Tour has come to replicating Tiger is probably Rory. And Rory doesn't have nearly the crossover value that Tiger did. And even then, how often do you see Rory even at the top of a leaderboard, especially nowadays? He barely made the cut at Augusta. Thank you. So the fact of that, it's been a fantastic thing for the PGA, for Augusta National, because of the flack that they've been receiving these last few years in particular, to have Tiger on. And I think if golf wants to continue to not be a mainstay, but to be in the sports consciousness here in the U.S., I think that they'll be talking with Tiger and saying, hey, look, maybe we'll have some kind of special exemption for you. If you want to start competing on the Champions Tour a little bit early, we'll sit down, we'll hook you up. What do you want? Let us help you. I mean, in the process, your name value, your prestige, your personification helps enhance our product as well. Quid pro quo, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other obvious story about the Masters this year is who's not there. And that would be Phil Mickelson. I, I, I mean, you happen to join a once famous slash infamous slash notorious slash annoying golfer. And I will stuff. admit, I will admit, when I was a kid, my favorite golfer was Greg Norman. Again, good, but I will always remember the SNL weekend update bit. Greg we'll the all- Crab. And we'll always remember the Masters and the U.S. Open implosions. Exactly. So you figure, hey, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna go ahead and start a rival golf tour in Saudi Arabia, and then Phil Mickelson's like, hey, I'm gonna make the PGA rethink things, and then Augusta National says, I'm sorry, what now? You're in a timeout. <laughs> well, actually. The director of Augusta National said that an invitation was extended to Phil to play in the Masters. It was declined. Yeah, he actually uh, has uh, Mickelson actually declined it. Yeah, that is that is indeed. I read that on ESPN, actually. A mild shock, not a surprise, but a mild shock. Um, Not really. When you consider the name value that Mickelson still carries and you got to think here. Um, so we, we started getting these golf and primetime specials, Tiger versus Phil, Tiger and somebody versus Phil and somebody recently extended to include people such as Bryson DeChambeau, who actually missed the cut this week at, at Augusta ah! to include, to include people like Justin Thomas and, and Zach Johnson and Dustin Johnson. And more recent years as well, guys like Rory McIlroy, kind of like the, the higher name, the celebrities of golf as, mm-hmm. or as celebrity as we get in this modern era. Mickelson's name brand is still there for many golf fans. There are a, there are a large portion of golf fans that Mickelson alienated with this attempted jump over to the Saudi Arabian tour. Absolutely. And I won't sit here and deny that. And there were certain comments made by Mickelson in the course of a couple of interviews that were that were done as well that definitely alienated parts of his fan base. Oh, however, not just alienated parts he's, of his fan base. However, he he basically how, managed second, to one second. Yeah. However, the problem is from the PGA Tour's perspective is Tiger's your most popular golfer. I don't think it can be argued that Phil's still number two. 
Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of cater to Mickelson as well in order to get that name value and that portion of your fan base involved too. Go ahead, Brian. I apologize. No, 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 no. I, I was going to say he's effectively built the fence and managed to get people on both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Becoming one of the most divisive names in golf, similar to like a Bobby, how Bobby Jones used to be back when Bobby Jones was still playing because Bobby Jones had those speculations of racism about him. So <laughs> never like never actually confirmed from what I've heard, but there are certain people that said he treated people of a certain ethnicity of a certain color different than everybody else around him. So there were well, speculations. Well, like I always say in a lot of different situations where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm just saying, but I mean, in particularly with Phil Mickelson, though, I really think it's not only his divisiveness and his polarization for even starting this tour. And as Brian said, he made particular comments. Not only did he out and out say, yes, I am doing this for the money, but uh, any potential way that the Saudi Arabian tour could have possibly worked, he ripped that to shreds because... You never say the quiet part out loud. Saudi Arabia and the Saudi Arabian royalty have come under fire for a lot of allegations and a lot of major geopolitical and other events in recent years. Going back, and Mickelson specifically brought up the Nazigami, Nazimgami, the journalist that was beheaded. Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah, Jamal Khashoggi. Kishabi. I actually have the quote here that he said. He's like, they're scary motherfuckers to get involved with. We know they killed Khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. Yeah! <laughs> so in other words... They mouth, insert foot! Basically, what happened was is Phil Mickelson decided to take Cuba Gooding Jr.'s role from Jerry Maguire, quite literally. Oh, it gets worse. Continuing on the quote, they've been able to get by with manipulative, coercive, strong-arm tactics because we, the players, had no recourse. As nice of a guy as Monaghan comes across as, unless you have leverage, he won't do what's right. And the Saudi money has finally given us that leverage. I'm not sure I even want the SGL to succeed, but just the idea of it is allowing us to get things done with the PGA Tour. SGL standing for Saudi Gulf League. For those uninitiated to these circumstances. How can you be... No, how I'm can you shove? Phrases. How can you shove your foot so far up your ass that the next thing that that comes out of your mouth is your own foot? Well, I was going to say, how far can you shove your foot up your ass so much that you can taste your own toenail fungus? But that works too. That's less of a dramatic. Uh, I don't. I don't want to think about the thought of be tasting my how own about, toenail fungus. How about this? Are you ready? You read with the I mean, I, I know. I read it. I read it. You think can, I don't understand what the fuck he said? I just fucking can, read it. Can I, can I offer a way to phrase it? How is it that he managed to shove his foot so far up his ass that when he breathes, you smell shoe leather? Yeah, yeah shoe leather's a nice smell. I could work with that. Yeah. The point being is that Mickelson basically alienated himself to more or less everybody on the PGA Tour. 
Mm-hmm. More, most of his fan base and his sponsorships. Oh, he's lost like at least half of his sponsors, if I recall correctly, including being dropped by his two main ones, Callaway and Titleist. Yeah, to the point that Mickelson's persona non grata in major golf right now, and I think that's part of the reason that he decided not to play in this tournament because he knew that if he decided to play in this tournament, that a he was going to bring a lot of controversy with him to Augusta, and he didn't want to do that to the tour. Why he's still trying to become persona grata once again, and b he knew that he was probably going to be footing the bill for a good portion of the stuff that he would need for said tournament out of his own pocket at this point. Well, do it while you can still afford it, and I mean. Again, if we're talking about chasing money, what gains ratings better than controversy? So CBS would have probably been like, hey, Phil, if you're really in a pinch. (laughs) Do me me a favor here. As we hit Augusta, why don't you go ahead and pull up that graphic for me? Because that is the one thing that did transfer over. Now, Mr. Mickelson, plain and simple, don't be a dick. I, I I I don't I disagree with this because I'm actually seeing news here that I think creates a bigger dick than Mickelson. And that's saying something. Go on. Make Gary it player. Yesterday wore a Saudi golf shirt during the opening tee of the Masters. As one of oh. the honorary starters. It was Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, and Tom Watson. Tom Watson stepping onto the honorary tee for the first time that they've replaced Arnold Palmer since his passing. Yeah, there's a picture, and I can let me see if I can copy it over here and we can get it up on screen. But it's uh, Gary Player, Fred Ridley, Jack Nicklaus, and Nicholas. Nicholas, sorry. Nicholas. I always say that wrong. It, I've been saying it wrong for years. You're good. Just. And Tom helping. Watson, yeah, all, Watson. all together. And Watson stepped into the Arnold Arnold Palmer spot on the uh, honorary starter on the honorary starter group. Okay, so I can tell you guys listening at home that Brian did send the link to Eric. However, we are not sure if the link will be will be shareable due to the fact that it is of the New York Post website, and the New York Post tends to get kind of dicky about people using their content. That's Getty Images. We can use it. Oh yeah, we use Getty Images all the time on the site. Which the image itself is we're we're the, we're not posting their article. We're posting an image that they're using from Getty Images. Okay, so then we're we're, we're good. All right, this will be the last thing we do with this, and then we will move on to our Major League Baseball preview. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Nicholson, big dick of the week, but I think this is a little bit worse. Honestly, like that's kind of. Uh, how that's a that is a just flat out no class that isn't even low class that's just no class and golf i I, excuse me but last i checked golf was definitely a sport about class gentlemen it was it's golf has always been known as a gentleman's game yeah but there he is on the right with the with the saudi shirt on i swear i mean australians south to be fair i was gonna to be fair, I was going to say, Gary Player is from South Africa. Their views on public, uh, on human rights aren't exactly the greatest either. 
Well, I was going I, I, to I, say, I was say, yeah, yeah, they, they've had their conflicts in the past as well, but not just South Africa, but what is it about players from different parts of the Commonwealth of Nations that are like, fuck everybody? To quote, to quote Mark Rattledge's favorite wrestling podcast host, thank you, fuck you, bye. This is a this is a clear and demonstrated failure to read the room. That's yep. what this is. You're not wrong. The problem not is, is the problem is is with the seniority that a guy like Gary Player has, he feels like he has the what's the word I'm looking for here? The genesec ought to be able, yeah, well that, but the genesec ought to be able to pull something like this off as well. Because it, it, because if you think about it, what the hell are they going to do? Not invite him back? The man's old. He'll be lucky if he gets to come back next year, anyways. I mean, I'm I'm not wishing ill upon anyone, but those are the facts. Rest in peace, Arnie. Right, like Nicholas was like, looking kind of rough it, in that photo. It it's like um, it's like firing a star. I'm gonna I'll bring this over to wrestling terms. Right, it's like firing a star. Uh, Hell, it's like when CM Punk came out and cut the fucking promo of him sitting at the apron of the ramp, knowing damn well that he was getting fired and doing it anyways. That promo, like that promo was a work. I don't care. I'm making a point. Just saying. This is how it's, I feel. It's 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 like a it's like a superstar who legitimately knows they're on the way out the door, right? Yeah. That walks out wearing merch from the rival promotion. Basically, how we've described it in the past, and then we'll move on. Is this is a scenario of ZFG? You're gonna have to explain that to the uninitiated. Zero fucks given. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what's going what's going through his mind there. He yeah, zero fucks given indeed. Now, All right, let's now another question is, and I'll we can wrap this up and go on to MLB. The thing that's gonna be talked about is this promotion even gonna work? No. Stay no. tuned because I again, if this is a failure to launch, everybody's gonna look like a jackass. Yeah, it, 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 this is all gonna be irrelevant in a year's time because it's gonna be completely forgotten about. All right, let's move forward. We go to our major our major talking point for this week's episode of BWSR. It is now time for your 2022 Major League Baseball predictions. Um, due to the fact that we're running kind of up against time here, we're at an hour and 25. I want to be done no later than an hour and 50. We will go ahead and briefly discuss our opening days. I know Tampa Bay beat Baltimore today 2-1. to one. Did you get a chance to catch the game, Eric? I did, as a matter of fact. Francisco Mejia with the game-winning RBI in the eighth. Isn't he a former Indian? Former Indian, now Guardian, but yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Braves sitting at one and one on this calendar season, losing the home opener, the Banner Razor, uh, six to three to Cincinnati. Um, Colin McHugh greeted with a three-run shot that officially put the nail in Max Fried's coffin for yesterday's game. However, the Braves bounce back 7-6 today over Cincinnati as it is a four-game set for Atlanta and Cincy opening weekend. Um, you know what the biggest takeaway for me from tonight's game was, though? Kenley Jensen looked like shit. <laughs> Not the same man he once was. 
And no, you're not going to quote Toby Keith, Brian. 38 out of 43. I ain't the man that I once was. Mute but this I'm as man. As I ever was. 34 out of 43 in Los Angeles last year on save opportunities. Uh, expected to be the full time closer in Atlanta, despite the fact that Will Smith is still not that Will Smith is still part of the Braves bullpen. But it's going to depend here. Uh, seven six, so uh, 10 runs for 12 runs against on the year, one and one on the season. We'll see what happens with the rest of this four game set, and I will reserve judgment on the Braves specifically until Acuna comes back. And hopefully around midseason, the opportunity presents itself to return Mike Sororka to the starting rotation as well. Brian, do you have a favorite baseball team? Uh, not particularly, no. Do you watch any 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 games in specific? Um, if I have the time and I can't really find anything better on TV. I will watch baseball. I have never been a huge baseball part. And I know you're giving me that death glare if you want to kill me. I am sorry. I have never that been hurt. that big of a day. I've never been a, that big of a baseball person. I've seen a f quite a few baseball games live. I used to go to a lot of Rays games. You do realize that would be like me telling you that I'm not that big into who wants to be a millionaire. No, this, yeah. is, actu this is actually more like the final season of the my one of my favorite TV series of all time, Brockmire, coming to reality. Someone who prefers cricket over baseball. The point being, I, I, I under, I under. So here's my thing with baseball, and I'm, and and you could, you could send your hate mail to s. gmail. com to tell them to never have me on this show again if you want. The tweets, but baseball to me has always felt too slow paced of a sport well they're actually and this is coming from somebody who helped who who played and helped coach baseball and softball in high school i, I tried out for the baseball team didn't make it because they're like oh hey brian you're good at football you should go try for the baseball team and you know like okay i guess i could try to do both uh that didn't work out but Long story short, my ROTC instructor was the coach of the girls' softball team, so I helped him out as an equipment manager and statistician scorer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I, I've got a pretty good fundamental understanding of baseball. I just don't enjoy it. F8 to end the Braves game today. Fly oh. out to the... Fly out Fly to the out center, to center fielder. All right. Um. Real quick, let's talk the uh, let's talk about the uh, the new way of communication in the major leagues this season, as there are now equipment mod modifications that are allowing players to be able to send digital signals back and forth with the pitchers and catchers, where they're calling the pitches without using the specific hand signs that you would traditionally see flashed. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stand up because I'm not wearing appropriate pants, but I did just briefly tap the Eric inside gets, of my thigh. Eric hits himself in the balls on accident. Yeah, pretty much. The point being is that they have digitized 
the signs between pitcher and catcher and have included the infielders as well as the center fielder in the digitization as well. So that way that they can relay the pitch calls to the, their various respective. Is, is it mandatory that it's those guys? No. Cause I thought it was just a, it, the teams can pick up to three people. It's yeah. also not mandatory that the teams use it either. Oh, I know that. Yeah. The Atlanta Braves are actually one of the digitization holdouts sticking with the old traditional way of traditional hand to inside up. I got my respect for that. I, they, they have my respect. I, I talked with viewer about this off air uh, a couple days ago, I think, when this story broke. Mm-hmm. And might have been when my, we were done. Might have been when we were done doing life is like a game show. Actually, no, no, no. I it was just me and him that were talking about this. Um, but my opinions on this are simple. I am against illegal theft of signaling, right? Because yes. that that harms the competition of the game. But. I have a little action trash can behind me, but that's too much effort. Continue. I think that it takes away from, like, if you can manage that uh, baseball season's long. There's a lot of games that teams play, right? You study somebody's you, you you study somebody's film, especially when you get into like the dog days or even later on in the season. And you can probably pick up on a team's pitching signals if you look at enough film. And if you've got somebody that can correctly identify those signals and can adjust accordingly, then good for them, right? They've put in that effort. They've they've made that commitment. They should be rewarded for it. Now you're taking away an element of the game that effectively allows you to counter your opponent and that i don't think i'm very on board with yeah i think that the one of the uh, real quick eric i I think one of the intentions of one one of the intentions of the signs there is if you're able to naturally be able to pull a team's signs then it's up to the team that you've learned their signals to change their signals to go to an alternate signal plan whereas if you're using video and digital equipment, such as the Houston Astros did, Eric smacking his cup like a trash can there being the obvious insinuation of that, then yeah, you're cheating. But like Brian said there, it makes, it makes, um, it's a mental game. Baseball is a mental game. And if you're able to get inside of the head of your opponents to be able to pick up what they mean when they say three, like, and then you figure out that that means curveball down away. Yeah, and like some, some people are gonna some some people are gonna. I'm sorry, Eric. I'll, I'll let you go in a minute here, but I want to finish kind of finish the thought here. I, some people will sit there and argue. And I'm, if I remember the article that I read on this, which was the one you sent me, Eric, uh, on this correctly, they even made comparisons to the fact that like other sports, like the NFL, uses this where the QB's got a receiver in his helmet or whatever. But you've still got a coach up in a skybox who can read a defensive lineup who can read an offensive lineup and say, hey, they're running Tampa 2, mm-hmm. you know, call an audible. Or, mm-hmm. hey, he's running the RPO, get ready, for, you know, blitz him or something, right? Right. Maybe I don't know if you want to blitz on an RPO, but um, you, you get what uh, I'm saying. 
Depends on if you're running out of an 11 set, but I get what you're saying. And honestly, and you bring that up, and I think that this is a perfect meld for that. Because, yes, I have seen, especially with, like, the old signals, the variations, the catchers painting their toenails, all that. And you always had to worry about the guy on second base in particular because he'd be the one to pick up those signals and say, hey, you know, the two or the one finger down, fastball up and in, curveball away, split or what have you. And if something like that, if you're smart enough to be able to pick it up in that way, I completely get it. And I'm fine with that. But going all the way back to when I previously mentioned Dodgers, Yankees, the no Dodgers, Giants, the 51 NL playoffs. There was a whole thing about, oh, you know, the Giants cheated. They had an army level camera in the outfield. Da, 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 da. So there's been these things for a while. But to kind of Mel Bryan's point and everything else, the fact that, oh, you can go ahead and use that film, use your tape to examine various at-bats, various pitcher, hitter, matchups, all that over the course of the season, like what the Oakland A's did in the early 2000s. I, on the I, I was going to say, I mean, look at, look, look I was going to say, look at, I literally was just about to say, look at Sabermetrics. Yes. Like you, the, you, there, there are computer algorithms no. out there, very similar to Sabermetrics that will yes. allow you to look at every single numerical and, possible statistical any any possible mathematical anything that you can derive out of baseball, they have pitch FX now, which has actually been a thing for a while, where you can map out every single ball placement in the box as it's mm-hmm. pitched. Mm-hmm. And you can put all of that data together on any given pitcher, any given batter, and see, you know, okay, he, he's likely to – he's going to hit a grounder – He's, or, you know, he's likely to, to hit on a curveball, or he's likely to hit on a fastball, you know, so on and so forth. Like you can, you can actually identify pitcher, or you can identify batter's weaknesses with this software. Like there is so much no, data that, go- that these teams already use that I think by removing the ability to try to interpret, um whatchamacallit, removing the ability to to call or, or to see what kind of pitch is being called, I think takes away a decision-making point and, and, and a, I don't want to say vital one, but almost vital decision-making capability and, and key piece of information in the game. So I have a couple of theories about this hearing. Um, Eric, go ahead. there you go. Thank you. Um I have a couple of theories about this, and it's going to go kind of into the whole tie into that sabermetrics thing that you just talked about here. And I have an issue with the fact that all of these numerical things are coming into the game now, and yet players are so hesitant to be able to allow them to stay in the game and such. Like, let's go into the fact that they're banning the shift next season, which mm-hmm. is fucking stupid. I mean, I, I okay, because in this is all of a tie-in. Because you have a lot of that analytical data, another thing that's going to be coming, not next season, but within maybe two, three years, robot umpires. I'm a little bit on the fence as far as robot umpires, but with this particular technology, given the fact that you have all of this other data available, this puts 
more onus on those particular stats, on these pitching and hitting coaches in that you have all this to review and more of an onus of studying and using the technology for this purpose rather than building up into what supposedly happened with the Red Sox, what found out happened with the Astros. So with this pitch comm technology, this part I am for. Okay, so real so, quick, real quick, Brian, going to that robot umpire thing there. I am okay with it on the grounds of balls and strikes because mm-hmm. I think a I think a uniform strike zone in Major League Baseball is desperately needed, and having to adjust because of whatever home plate umpire you happen to have that night is bullshit. Yeah, the call happened in the ninth inning. I was actually so. So, so what I'm going to say about the robot umpire thing. I'm for it for the balls I, and strikes, but I think the safe out calls need to remain in the hands of actual people. I think it all needs to remain in the hands of actual people, but, and I and I put a very heavy caveat but here, I think that robot-assisted or, or camera-guided technologies need to be consulted more. I don't think you get enough and, and this goes across all sports, honestly. I don't think you. we have all of this technology that the viewers at home can see the box. They see the ball go the second it breaks the plane and goes right across the plate. But what the, what the USFL is going to do with first down technology, I'll get more into that next week. But thank you because that triggered but, my head. But you never see the leagues themselves leverage this technology to their own advantage yeah it's, it's more very rare and it's typically only and it's even typically but, only in the nfl honestly where at least that i can name notable examples of where you see them going to the tv cameras not just their is, own stuff well fox is pretty cutting edge for baseball when it comes to that but you you yeah but is the league using it though that's the thing for replays yes like when when a when a call is challenged, they go to Mission Control out in Los Angeles or uh, Control Center out in Los Angeles in order to or New York. Sorry. Yeah, they're con- the MLB's Control Center, and they have separate umpires rotating in the Control Center in Cooperstown. I knew yep. about that. I did know where about that. they yeah. go to, and then they have all of the feeds that all of the local television stations do. But but this is this is this is what I this is what I think needs to happen and this is just like this is this is my take on you can even go so far to say it's my final thought on all sports, right? Across all leagues. Nope, not infringing that gimmick on this show. Damn it. Um you should have a TV judge who has the capability, well, for lack of a better term, a TV judge, call it whatever the hell you want that fits within the realm of your your Sky Judge. League. A, a, a Sky Judge, effectively, yes. Sky Judge, TV Judge, again, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But you need to have somebody whose sole job is to sit in a skybox or sit off the field in front of a series of TV monitors, and when they see something using that technology that says, hey, this ain't right, this is the wrong call, they can immediately, you know, whether they have to put an indicator up on the scoreboard, they the 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 referee has an ear, or, you know, the umpire, referee, whatever, has an earpiece in his ear to say, hey, 
this is I, I'm challenging this. You need to go back and and overturn this call, or at least go to the replay booth so I can show you what I'm seeing, so you can consider it overturning that call on the grounds of blatant and obvious fuckery. Exactly, and you're starting to see this implemented at least for the replay aspect more. There was a challenge today in the Rays game, and even the announcers remarked that the fact that for the first time, not only can the viewers at home see what's being challenged, how it's being challenged, more of what the umpire is saying in the process. Which I see, think yeah, that was that's a that was move. the really cool thing that I liked about the XFL was being able to hear the referees. And the the judges and stuff talking about what they were looking at, why they were. Oh yeah, I would love them. To, the I would love them to do that in sports as well. Hot, the, hot you know, mic them. Yeah, hot mm-hmm. mic them for sure. I mean, the NFL. I'm pretty sure hot. The NFL does hot mic the head refs by default. Most of the back judges have hot mics. Well, the the referees can turn their microphones on and off. Yeah, they there's our hot. The, yeah, the only example of when. Yeah, but they can that over, is if you look the, at a lot can of actually override that. They can actually override that. It's more of a mute button. Well, yeah, same with what Eric just said, though. Uh, rugby and Aussie rules are the same way because when Aussie rules goes to replay, you definitely get that full conversation as far as what they're looking at and what they're trying to look into overturning and everything like that. So I think that uh, that, that ground, uh, that ground, that level of open and honesty with your with mm-hmm. your fan base is going to do nothing but create a level of trust with the, within the system. Because I think that's a big problem for a lot of Major League Baseball fans right now is most yeah, of the, Yeah, and, that's, and most, I was going to say, I'm going to swing that back around to, to baseball real quick by saying, if you put a robot umpire in, I think you are going to lose that that trust. I don't in, think so. In the league. I think you're going to be like, wait a minute, we're relying on robots now? What, as if, long what as... if the machine malfunctions? What if it makes a wrong call because it's got the wrong data or something? Okay, I won't disagree with that, but at the same time, as long as these machines are properly calibrated to the strike mm-hmm. zones that they're calling, then I yeah. don't think you're going to have that level of lack of integrity. Yeah, so you have one less umpire, and then you'd still have, or even for regular season games, instead of having your four umpires, if you have a robot umpire for balls and strikes, you could expand to maybe five umpires as far as for safer out calls. Like, I would have I would have the home plate umpire standing off to the side over at home plate in order to be able to determine, like, if the catcher's blocking a runner's lane or if... Or what happens in the grounds of a passed ball, or does a ball strike a batter or not, and stuff like that. You would need a you would need yeah. the umpire at home to, in order to be able to do that. But the calls of the balls and the strikes, in order to bring a level of uniformity to these games, I think that the robot umps are not a terrible idea when it comes to that. We're so I, I we're could advancing. Be, we're, I could be in favor. Quick, we're advancing with the technology, and we're tr- talking about using it to our benefits. And this would be a case of using it to our benefit by actually oh, enabling the technology to take that that questionable balls and strikes calls off of off of the uh, umpires and putting it in the hands of people that are are synced up in order to be able to do that. Do you know there's an actual website on Twitter that uh, rates umpires based on the job that they do with balls and strikes calls? I wouldn't be surprised. No, there's 100% one that does it. And like there was, and it ranks, like it tells you how many calls that the umpire got correct versus what the actual robot would have had, like where the ball crossed the plane and everything and how mm-hmm. many calls they got wrong. And you can get an idea of, okay, so this umpire, he doesn't call strikes up. So I know if something's up in the strike zone, I don't have to swing because he's not going to fucking call it anyway. But 
you get that same you get that same pitcher that's getting that call that they should be getting with a robot umpire, then these batters are going to be like, well, damn, now I got to start swinging at the stuff that I would have normally leave the bat on the shoulder for. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Brian. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to the umpire, the robot umpire. But at the end of the day, I feel like there needs to be somebody who is watching that robot umpire Absolutely. in real time yeah. to be able to throw out the robot umpire's call if it's wrong. Absolutely. Which I don't anticipate it being. Which I don't anticipate it being very often. But yeah, like I mean, somebody they... need, like a human should have the ultimate control over refereeing decisions and if the human is going to overrule the robot they need to have a damn good reason yeah like almost to the point in the minor leagues like where they've tested the robot umpires like like to the point where it's like you know they got to call new york or la or wherever the hell it is you know the command center's at to say hey i think the robot umpire screwed this up can you guys take a look and see if you agree with me or not? This is obviously going to be a major talking point throughout the course of the rest of the regular season. And I'm sure we'll come back to it, especially once we get further into the season and we have more egregious examples of calls being blown and or calls being properly made that maybe wouldn't have been properly made by artificial intelligence technology. So this is a topic that we are going to circle back to here on the Broadhurst Watkins Sports Report. However, since we are already up over our traditional hour 40 runtime that we like to go to, I do want to start to get into our MLB predictions just because I don't want to go too far over the two-hour mark. Oh, yeah. I, I was just going to say really quick about the, the pitch com thing. Will we see it get used? Yes. Are some teams on board for it? Absolutely, because they don't want to have three, four, five sets of, of signs, especially when you get uh, in playoff situations. Cincinnati uses it. Atlanta doesn't. Uh, that was the kind of the uh, the big yeah. thing for me watching opening day for my Braves was the fact that Cincinnati was using like the for the for the Coles, and then Atlanta was still using the traditional signals. Yeah, I mean. Um... The White Sox, uh, they they like it. They're, they th- mm-hmm. they're like, oh, this is the best thing since sliced bread. We don't have to have five sets of freaking pitch calls anymore because yeah. there's, you know, scouts in the stands trying to figure out our, our calls. But that's the thing. If the teams are going through the effort to do that and they're not doing it in an illegal, an illegal way, let them. I don't, again, I just don't like the pitch comp thing because it's like, what are the way do you really have to tell what a pitcher's going to do or where a batter's going to hit, the, you know, outside of those signs, honestly. And here's the other thing about it, too, and then we'll move forward. The frequency on those things can be hacked anyway. Oh, yeah. The team, if a team wants to cheat badly enough, they're going to cheat Houston. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what people were saying as well, is, there can, is some of the teams were against it because they're worried um, that – you know, it's going to get hacked into either by fan interference or by team interference at a game. Or alternatively, what happens if the system goes down during the course of a game and then you're left going back to the old calling signs that traditional way as well. So and if you point. get and if you have guys that are on your team that have never learned your team's, you know, your system. Yeah, you're fucked. Oh, yeah, exactly. I agree. All right, with that, we move on to our Major League Baseball predictions for 2022. Brian, are you going to participate in this? Um, uh, I, I'll, I'll chime in with comments, but I don't know if I can 
I was I, I was going to say I don't know that if, I don't know that you have the inf- the information of uh, necessary in order to be able to make your predictions. Yeah. All right. So me and Eric will make our predictions, however, and we will start in the American League Central. I'm intentionally saving the East last for both leagues. You know why? Yep. Homerism. Um, two team race in the Central. I think Chicago and Detroit. Detroit getting the better of Chicago yesterday in the first game of the season. Uh, I do believe uh, the White Sox struck back today and even the series up at one. Um, don't be surprised if the Guardians make a run, though, especially with the with the signing of uh, Jose Ramirez to an extended uh, to an extended deal. I think that Terry Francona is a proven winner, mm-hmm. and somebody that can make chicken salad out of chicken shit under the best of circumstances. But I will say that I do think the White Sox win the Central. I'm honestly, I'm going to agree with you because again, we've talked about, you know, these are veteran managers like Francona. Look at what a resurgence that Tony La Russa has had in Chicago. I'm with you as far as the White Sox, but I don't know if the Guardians are quite there yet. I would really put Detroit as that second place team potentially grabbing one of those two wild card spots. Three wild card spots this year. Oh, snap. It is three this year. Six six teams make the postseason. Only the top two records get first round buys. You know, I forgot that they changed that as much as I was railing that I hope that they changed that to a best of three wild card series, but I don't think they did. I'm still mad. All right, uh, American League West. Why don't you go ahead and go first? Oh, I hate to say this, but I honestly think the Angels have still not done enough around Mike Trout or Shohei Otani. No, they they haven't. Please, Shohei Otani, come to Tampa Bay. We'll break the bank for you. We don't do that for anybody else. That's beside the point. Fucking cheapskates. I don't really see anybody, again, I hate to say this, I don't see anybody really catching up to Houston. Even though they decided not to cheat, the rest of the division, maybe Seattle, but come on. It, it, can, can, you, can you point out something that isn't trash? Isn't. And I'll go with it. Um... I, I will be curious to see how Houston rebounds to losing Carlos Correa now that he's a Minnesota twin. Yeah, that was a mighty pop in the power in that lineup. But I, I, again, I, if, if the rest of the division wasn't trash, I would I say agree. it's a wide open race. I, I agree with you. I think this is Houston's division to lose. I do think the Angels finish second in the division. Just because I think between Trout and Otani, there's probably enough there in and of itself in order to be able to carry that team in what is a generally weak division. Texas isn't going to be very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle's been so far under the radar the last couple of years, and Oakland's been hot garbage for uh, about five or six years now. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying it's Houston's division, and I think the Angels give them the best run. Let's move over to the National League Central. And this is a two-horse race for me. This is Milwaukee or the Cubs. 
and I give a slight edge to the Cubs. See, this is another one of those things that I don't know. I would really like with the Brewers, with their continued ascendancy. And let's face it, as much as I love with everything with the Cubs and David Ross following in the shoes of Joe Madden, I can't count out the Cardinals. I think it's going to come Fair. down Cardinals-Cubs in their second place. And I'm going to give a slight edge to St. Louis. I really think Chicago, again, with a third wild card spot, I think Chicago, even though third in the division, could take one of those. But You know what the cool thing for uh, St. Louis is, is having Albert Pujols back for the DH in the National League this season. I think that Pujols could definitely be a big driving force in a resurgence in St. Louis, but I do think St. Louis ends up third in the division behind the Cubs and the Brewers. Okay. What about the National League West, Eric? I, uh, I'm, I'm, as much as I hate to say this, I think this one's going to be unanimity. It's This one's Dodgers. over before it begins. Yeah, this is the Dodgers division for sure. When you got star power and the magic touch from Magic Johnson, I mean, come on, you reload, you reload, and I don't think the Giants can really make it close as they San really have been. It's... San Francisco's a wild card team. I think that's an absolute certainty. Uh, Colorado's not going to do anything, especially now that they don't have Ar Arenado or Tulowitzki anymore. Nope. Uh, or Trevor Story, who's now in Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, Arizona's been horrendously inconsistent over the last couple of years. And San Diego, while they have a good young lineup, they don't have Fernando Tatis Jr. for the first two months of the season. And that's really going to cost them. If they had him from the get-go, you could really make them to push for a wild-card spot, even though not the division. But losing that dynamic of a player for that, again, about a third of the season, you can forget it. The toughest division in baseball is the American League East. There are four teams that could win that division. Thank you, fuck you, bye, Baltimore. I mean, you're no. not wrong. I, even I know that. In order of finish, Baltimore fifth, <coughs> Boston fourth, okay, the Yankees third, Toronto second, Tampa Bay sneaks out the American League East. I. Part of me wants to agree with you entirely. Entirely. My only hitch is, has Toronto really, with these young, these famous sons of players, they've been gelled together. It's Bichette, been Biggio. Uh, who is the third one? I know there's a third one. I know Dante Bichette Jr., Craig Biggio Jr., who's the third one? Vladimir Guerrero yeah, Jr. Yeah, Guerrero Jr., yeah. So with another season like that under the belt, can they really go ahead and make that step? And given the Yankees being the Yankees, and yes, Rancid Randy, I'm going to hear it from you on Sunday. I think the Yankees can take second place again. Are the Rays going to have as dominant of a season, winning 100 games again? Hell no. We got stuff to figure out. But at the same time, 
with the way that all four of the teams, like you said, can have with this powerhouse division, 92-93 seeking in a win, and I'd I think argue, the Rays can get there. I'd argue it's a race to 90. First team to 90. I'd say first team to 90 wins the division. Now, see, I, I, I don't know, because I think that with the combined firepower, we can beat up on some of the other AL teams and get a few extra wins. I'm calling 92. If you can get to 92, that would put you 92 and 70. That takes the division. The National League East has your defending World Series champions and the team with the highest payroll in baseball. And also the most problematic pitching staff in baseball currently, if you take a look at the injured report. <laughs> Eric, I'll let you go first since I went first in the American League East. Even with the Mets and their money, they're still the Mets. I've got to give their new ownership some time to really put out that dumpster fire. Mets going to Mets. Yeah, the Nationals, I don't see really going anywhere. They'll avoid the basement because I think the Marlins are locked in there. If anything... Even though you've got some issues of your own down in Atlanta, I think you beat out the Phillies somewhat comfortably to retain your crown and keep your streak going. It is four straight divisional championships in Atlanta. It will be five, but it will not be easy. It is a three-team race in the, in the National League East this year. The Braves... The Mets, the Phillies. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I say the Mets is because they've won out and they've spent the money in order to acquire the firepower that the team needs. Rather or not that that firepower translates to on-the-field performance, they did. They have taken the first two in a row from the Nationals to start the season. So, so far, so good with, the, with that. Although, I will say this much. If the Mets don't start getting more physical against opponents, they will be dominated by pitching because – the, the Nationals have been getting all up in the Mets' kitchen over the course of these first two games, and the Mets have done nothing to retaliate. Mm -mm. Again, that's why I say the Mets are going to do Mets things. This is going to be a profound season for them, and we'll see if they can be contenders going into 2023 or otherwise. Tampa Bay, Chicago, Houston, Toronto, the Yankees, Cleveland six. So for my winners, Tampa Bay, Chicago, Houston, of course. For my wild cards, Yankees, Tigers, mm, that sixth team. I'm going to lean towards Toronto. You are listening to the Broadhurst Walk and Sports Report, Sports in Black and White, a presentation of the W2M Network online at W2Mnet.com. The post-show plugs are coming to you shortly. I will not do them right now. We go to our National League predictions. You start this one. You have the Braves, the, the Brewers, and the Dodgers as division winners who take the wild cards. Cubs? Uh -huh. Phillies. Okay. 
No. Oh. Mets or Giants? I'm leaning Giants. I I was thinking Mets, but then I'm or Card like, or Cardinals. Oh, ooh. Mets, Cardinals, or or Giants? A Cardinals, because I think the Cardinals can beat out the Giants for that wild card spot. Uh, I have Atlanta, Chicago, and the Dodgers. Milwaukee gets one of the wild card spots. The Mets get one of the wild card spots. Honestly, it's going to depend on what Bryce Harper does in Philadelphia this year. Harper's going to have to carry that team to a wild card spot, and I don't know if he's capable of doing that with what is around him right now. I would not be surprised to see it come down to uh, the Phillies and the Giants towards the end of the regular season, and I'm going to say the Giants take that sixth and final spot. Okay. That what, one is going to be a race to watch. What is your American League Championship Series? I think knowing that the pressure's off Tampa Bay, they get back to the ALCS. I think last season's playoff was a little bit of a fluke. Give me Tampa Bay and Chicago. A rematch. Of the 2008 division series. I think it comes down to two American League East teams. I think it's Tampa Bay and Toronto. What about the National League? Um, I'm going to be flat out honest. Set yourself up for a rematch. Dodgers-Braves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that uh, if if you take a look at the way the rosters are lined up in the National League right now, and especially with the way that the story has been written the last two seasons, the Dodgers coming back from 3-1 to one down in the 2020 NLCS to knock Atlanta out in the win the World Series, the Braves taking out the Dodgers in 6 in 2021 on their way to winning the World Series themselves. For the third year in a row, the National Championship Series, it's going to go Dodgers and Braves. What's your World Series, Eric? Harry, I'm telling you now, you're going to hate me a bit. But not too much. Tampa and the Dodgers with Tampa winning? Yeah, because, again, if it's those two again, Dodgers take the rubber match, but it will go seven. See, I would, I would hate that more. I wouldn't want to lose in seven. I mean, for something like that. It was... It was hell watching Game 7 in 2020. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, we'll be prepared to sweat Game 7 at Dodgers Stadium in prime time. <sighs> Acuna, Sororka. If both come back healthy, advantage Braves. Okay. If one of them comes back healthy, pick them. Okay. If neither of them come back healthy, advantage Dodgers. Okay. Making a lot of sense. I am the eternal optimist when it comes to this. I'm going to take my Braves. Okay. 
and I am going to put them against your double race or your raise. Okay. That'll be a hell of a series. Oh, that'll be a hell of a series. Braves in six. You wouldn't at least let us be. No. What? Not just no. little. Brian, can you help me out here? Can you no, I got can... nothing. Sorry. Great. Raising Dodgers. Who do you got? I give it to the Rays. I, that's just, I mean, I, 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 they're both good teams. I'm a little bit more partial to the Rays, partly because they are the home market team for me. Uh, and I've been following them, watching them for a long time. Valley Sports Southeast, I'm assuming. Valley I'm, Sports I'm in Sun. Lakeland, Florida, which is uh, basically Tampa. Sun. Yeah. Okay. I know Fox, I know Valley Sports South for the Braves now. Yep, because um, we got Valley Sports Sun and Valley Sports Florida. Florida would be the Marlins, I'm guessing. Correct. Okay. Eric, Look, where, 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 where I'm from, where I live, you root for the Rays, you root for the Bucks, and you root mm-hmm. for the Lightning. That's it. Like those are the three market teams. See, I'm I'm in a dual market city. I'm like halfway between Cleveland and Pittsburgh, and I root for none of the above in any sport. See, see, here's the thing. I'm technically in a dual market city as well, but there's no shared sport team. There's no shared leagues between both markets in any sport. Tampa Bay and Orlando? Or, or yeah, Tampa Bay and Orlando, but yeah, there's no like there's no shared basketball team. There's there's no shared NBA team, no shared NFL team, no shared NHL team. Tampa Bay has all of them except basketball, which Orlando has. Exactly. And well, actually, in the Lakeland has the Magic's G League affiliate. Yeah, I was going to say we also have the Lakeland Magic, which is exactly the G League affiliate. So, all right, Eric, you have Brian's pick for Rays and Dodgers. I need yours. You know what? We finally break the curse. It's going to be hard fought. We take him out. We I'm, look, go big or go homer. Come on now. <laughs> I was just look, about look, to say that. We are through one after everything we've been through with these years. I was just about to say that. If there is one thing the W2M Network host can bet on, it is go big or go homer. They're, they're, they're not getting us again, especially since this will be a true series. We're going to have to do it out west. But we're going to do it, and if you're not giving us seven, I am not going to even give the Dodgers a satisfaction of seven. We can take them out in six. Uh, special guest embodied voice, where can people find you online? Uh, I am at the Andesian on Twitter. I'm also on some other shows around this network. You know, nothing important like Point of Viewer, Sunday nights on the network. Um or my own wonderful show, which is very important, League to the Max or whatever, featuring a certain guy over here as a disembodied voice. Uh, and then I get to deal with both of you sons of bitches on Life is Like a Game Show uh, Tuesday nights here on the network. Also on Twitter, they can find you. I Like I said, at the Andesian. All right. Mr. Watkins, where can people find you online? 
when I'm not on Point of Viewer or Broadhurst Walking Sports Report or League to the Max or whatever, I'm also on Soccer to the Max. Why do I always feel like I'm forgetting one? I do so many damn shows on this network. I was going to say, you're on practically everything. Okay, I'm supposed you to be on. You got soccer the... to the backs. You got Broadhurst Walking Sports Report. You got Point of Viewer. You've got League to the Backs or whatever. You've got Life, Life is, is Like, like a, a Game, game show. show. And you've got the Nielsen ratings. Yeah, that's going to be the first of next month. So, yes, I'm sorry. With the possible sorry. another show to be coming very soon. I feel like, yeah, I feel like bi-monthly might be a little bit better, a better format for that. Maybe like the first and the 15th or whatever. He, he he wants to do it once a month. It's his show. He do whatever the hell he wants as long as it's consistent. That's Look, all, as a, that's as a Thanos of this network, I don't need any more of the stones for the gauntlet, okay? You I got snap enough, my finger. trust me. Yeah, I snap my finger and it comes once every three months. But yes, when I'm not around here and you don't have to put up with my voice, you can find me on Twitter at Squid Sportshead, Facebook, you know the drill, Guy Wine Recliner, Eric Watkins, find me there. And you can slide into my DMs on Twitter at Squid Sportshead, undergo the strict and thorough vetting process, and gain access to a plethora of other social media. You'll thank me. At ATB the Eagle, pretty much everywhere. I don't feel the need to plug the W2M shows because they've already done a fine job of doing that. Um, I will say this much. You can find me with Mark Rattledge on the Indiesiders, a presentation of TV Party Tonight. Episode 7 is this coming Sunday as Mark and I cover Joey Janela's Spring Break 6. Parts 1 and 2 from Game Changer Wrestling that will be available this Sunday night right before we do Point of Viewer where we continue the greatest sports movie of all time tournament with special guest Randy Isbell. As I said, at ATB The Eagle pretty much everywhere, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Yahoo, although hate mail goes to s.gummer at gmail.com as we've made abundantly clear in this episode. And yeah. That's pretty much the extent of it. There you go. Before we get out of here, one last thing. Okay. Just penny from my thoughts kind of thing here. Along the lines of the go big or go homer thing. Mm-hmm. 2021 Major League Baseball playoffs, Braves win the World Series. Correct. Mm-hmm. 2022 NCAA men's basketball tournament, Kansas wins the championship. Correct. Mm-hmm. Go I'm putting, on. I'm putting it into the universe right now. At the end of May, 2022 Champions League winners, Liverpool. May it have better luck for you, but this long, well, no. Because, again, if my homerdom won't run into yours at this time, at this point, I can live with it. You have been listening to the Broadhurst Walk-In Sports Report, Sports in Black and White, a presentation of the W2M Network, online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox, Overcast. Rate and review us five stars on Spotify. 
Join us on Discord. Link available in the show description. In addition, you can find us in visual format on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, all of which but Twitch are W2M Network. Twitch is W2M Net. TikTok at W2M Network 2. For special guest Brian Espinoza, the DSDO Eric Watkins, I am Harry Broadhurst, and you have been listening to Episode 6 of the Broadhurst Watkins Sports Report, a presentation, the W2M Network. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. USFL time. Woo! And Kanichiwa, bitches.